Hey everybody, this is a Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell, and this is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. And I'm joined, of course, today by uh, the clean ho, Craig Moorhead. How are you, Craig? I'm doing just fine. Just keeping it clean, keeping it shiny. That's how I do. How are you doing, uh, ho, 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 master? <laughs> uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I can't believe it. Here we are. It's so close to Thanksgiving. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of exactly when this episode drops, but uh, it might be Thanksgiving week. Yeah, it might yeah. be right the day before. So you might even be listening to this during your Thanksgiving oh, dinner. Man. Which you should turn it off because your mom's trying to get your attention. She wants those potatoes. Yeah, don't be don't be rude. Uh, yeah. You know, it, this is a time to to spend together and passively aggressive dislike your family, not just ignore them, right? Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, but no, other than that, oh, it's all good. I'm excited to talk about the movie that we're going to talk about today. You want to first tell people where they can find us online if they'd like to do so? I would very much like to do that, Sean. And here's how it goes. You can find us at neverheardpodcast.com. That's where you'll find every episode we've ever done. You'll find write-ups in the longer episodes. You can find bios about us, which sounds like fun. But you also find links to our Twitter and our Instagram and our Facebook, uh, which are all places where you can get in touch with us directly by using direct messaging. If you're not sure how to use that, look at your Twitter manual that they sent you when you opened your account. It should have everything in there somewhere in the, in the appendix. It's a long book, though, you know. It is a it is a pretty long book. I'm not going to say it's a short read, but it's it's worth it if you really want to get the most out of your Twitter. You can find the actual podcast, Sean. I'm talking about ones and zeros. You can find the digital copy of the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Spotify. Anywhere that you can uh, leave a positive review, it would be fantastic. And uh, if you want to subscribe, that would also be great because it helps people find the podcast. It, Kicks them algorithms into overdrive, you know, and then uh, and then we can all we can all be one happy humani- humanitarian family. I don't know, but Sean, speaking of humanitarians, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What, what do you have to say about hum- humanity? Uh, I appreciate humanity, and I appreciate the people that have listened to this podcast mm, uh, from day one or from day whatever day it is now uh we're going on at least three seasons and uh, the first season was was pretty much two so yeah yeah it's been a long journey we'll wind down the year here in december and take a little break in january and uh then probably come back for more as always we're open to suggestions welcome to suggestions especially i don't know you know the movie we're going to talk about today was on amazon prime and good lord it just seems like they are turning into the amazon of uh collecting videos that i've never heard of because there are so many so many things on there right now on the film side it's true feature side that a i don't i don't even know how you would find because again it's not the best app experience i don't think in the world but um sure I had a, a, a student that I'm working with the other day tell me about a movie that he watched on there from the Czech Republic called Lemonade Joe. Now, I, I've never heard of Lemonade Joe, nope. but uh, yeah, it's on it's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. So Man. suggestions are good. We appreciate them. Thanks for sticking with us here on this ride. Can I just say, what a golden time to be going to film school. Yeah, I think so. The availability of movies 
is absolutely astounding. God, God bless you, students, you future of our of the film industry. That's, that's what I tell them every single week. Just God bless it. Yeah, it's a two-hour sermon. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> No, they're great. They're going to save us all. Speaking of, yeah. why don't you save us the next however long it takes us and tell us what else mm-hmm. you've watched, Craig, since the last time we talked. Well, I'm going to save a lot of time, Sean, because I have not watched a darn thing <laughs> we started watching the jack ryan uh series on amazon okay season one or on you season two season one okay. season one just started it seems like good smart action stuff which is what we wanted mm-hmm. I-, I can't go crazy about it beyond that except that wendell pierce <laughs> i love wendell pierce yeah that guy is the best i almost wish he was jack ryan It'd be a slightly different take on it It'd be a slightly different take on it it would be well I- i'll say this I'm ready to watch the series with that guy at the center. Whatever that series is, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm waiting for it. I just love that guy. That guy's amazing in everything, and he's great in that. Like, like I feel like that's a part that so many people would just they could have just phoned in and done nothing with. And I, I really, I don't know. I'm really feeling is anyway. I like what he's doing. It's been a fun uh, uh, series so far. What about you, Sean? What have you watched? I've also watched the series, but I was going to say, you know, I don't know. I think Jack Ryan is doing quite well. You never know. There could be a spinoff that happens from these You think there'll be a movie? Not necessarily. Well, that would be oh, kind of sorry. funny, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Greer. Jim Greer. <laughs> I'd watch it. Sure, why not? Uh, I watched yeah. a show, a docu-series on Netflix that's quite short, about six episodes maybe, but I blasted through it quite quickly called The Devil Next Door. Don't love that as a title. Mm-hmm. feels a little clickbaity for a documentary uh, of the subject matter that it is, which is it's about a guy, a Ukrainian immigrant who has lived in uh, Cleveland for a number of decades and then uh, was accused of being a Nazi war criminal in the 80s and deported and stripped of his citizenship, sent to Israel for trial. And it became quite the sensation that I knew nothing about. And there loomed very largely the case of a possible mistaken identity, which is almost as as awful to imagine as being a Nazi war criminal. Maybe not quite. But uh, nonetheless, like, it's a pretty fascinating story that played out until, I want to say, after 2010, like sometime in this decade. So, again, it was completely unfamiliar to me, but I really enjoyed it as much as that's possible given the subject matter. But found it pretty compelling okay well let's talk about another movie craig so when we teed up last week we are at heart teenage boys who never grew up that's right so of course when you find out there's a movie called dirty ho you kind of got to watch it right yeah so that's what we did we watched dirty ho from 1976 again this is a martial arts film um chinese hong kong film this is from director Chi Lang Lu, and it stars Yu Wong as Dirty Ho Jin, Chi, Chi, uh, Chi Wu, man, I thought I had this. Right. Chi Wai Lu, I believe, mm-hmm. as uh, Mr. Wong, or Wang, depending on which English dubbing you want to go with, Ooh. and a slew of others. Let's see here. I wanted to <laughs> highlight Bitter Katie. Uh, but I don't see her here in the credits, if I remember, if I got the name right. So, nonetheless, oh, right, you can yeah. look at the uh, 
at the credits here. Lots of fun characters to be had. But yeah, mostly this is a two-hander. And uh, let's do a little synopsis from IMDb. Mm. A prince enlists a thief to serve as his bodyguard to protect him from assassins. That is what this movie is seemingly about, at least. Should we just go ahead and say that I don't really think there's a dirty hoe in the way that you people listening to this right now are wondering if there's a, an actual dirty hoe in this movie? Yeah, I mean, it's worth it's worth putting that out there. Not really. It's like a disclaimer or a trigger warning a little bit that it's not in this. So um, if you're here for the prostitutes... You might want to leave now or just stick around and see, you know, you might be, it might, you might have fun nonetheless. Craig, mm. you were not familiar with this movie before we talked about it last week. Did you have fun nonetheless with the dirty hoe? Sean, I had so much fun with this movie. Oh, good, good. This movie is from beginning to end. It was so much fun. This is one of those never heard of it finds. I don't know if we have a, a rating that we put on these kind of movies. But this is one of those finds where I'm like, I am going to watch this movie multiple times over the rest of my life, uh, you know, assuming that I have some years left. Oh, yeah. Just completely delightful. I mean, probably the, the least delightful things about it were, A, the English dubbing, which, I mean, maybe that kind of makes it a little more delightful in a way because it's just bit. so stilted yeah. and weird. <laughs> yeah. But I would love to watch that without that. Like, I, I'd love to just hear the actual actors talking. Mm -hmm. But even so, that dubbing, in a weird way, sort of works with the way the, the tone of this movie is. That and like, uh, you know, I don't know, there, there, there's some, there's maybe a dim view toward females in this movie, to a certain extent. Sure, yeah. And maybe some other questionable things that we'll get into later. But, uh, but overall, really, it seems to be a very good-hearted movie and just full of like some of the most creative and and just just i don't know just uh, amazing moments lots of amazing work and choreography by these folks how, how did you feel about it pretty much 100 uh, percent agree with you here i mean i think you know a modern audience could probably trace the tone of this to, to something like a jackie chan film i think um you know it is yeah. that sort of playful comedic vibe to the whole thing and, and some of that is pretty weird and we'll get into that a little bit too or just unusual that you wouldn't see in, in a modern film today but man in a lot of ways i just thought of really good musicals and movies that feature dance you know numbers in them mm -hmm. and just the choreography of this and and watching these people do what they do and even thinking about it from the technical side of how you film that and where you put the camera and when you move the camera and, and how you sort of like really position that within a frame where you're not stepping on the toes of the performers who are able to do these amazing things, but you're still kind of like heightening the emotion of all that. Even on that level, I, yeah, I think this movie is a success and that yeah. part of the joy of doing this is like finding a movie like this that just kind of has this like joyful vibe to it or something to offer that yeah, I've never heard anybody talk about this movie my entire life. No. Certainly, you know, we mentioned the Shaw brothers last week and seeing that Shaw, Shaw scope logo. I love that. Yeah, it's great. Now, I feel like maybe Tarantino used that in Kill Bill or something to that effect. I'd have to watch it again. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun movie. It's one that I think, I you know, conceivably you could easily watch with your teenage kids. I don't know how quite how young you want to start them on this, this journey, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was honestly thinking about that. 
you know, there's definitely a little bit of blood. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, does something leap to your mind that's like so objectionable? Like, I felt like I could show this to my 10 year old at the very least. And I would feel like he would have a, a ball with it. Yeah. I think, you know, hands down, you could show large parts of it. Yeah. I, I feel like there there was some language in the, in the English dub at a certain point. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, Probably something your ten year old. Well, your ten year old definitely has already heard because I know how you guys curse like sailors. But um, well, I mean he's he's got a filthy <laughs> mouth. Again. I know. Wash that kid's mouth out. But um, yeah. no, uh, they might get slightly impatient with the story of it, or even mm-hmm. have trouble keeping up with it. But guess what? Uh, their father will too because I, I had some trouble with that here and there. Oh, sure. I don't think it diminishes the enjoyment of the film, and it it did make sense by the end of it, with one, I think, major exception, Craig. Oh, and again, doesn't diminish the joy for me, but it does make me question pretty yeah. much the entire setup. Okay. Until I read this synopsis again. I still, I asked this question watching this movie. Why does Mr. Wang need Mr. Ho to do whatever it is he's doing, be his bodyguard? Right. Because, and we'll get into plot, but these two guys appear from the offset to somewhat be equals in fighting skill. We find out a little bit later that that's maybe not the case a little bit. Mr. Wang is a little more... Uh, advanced yes but that's much later in the movie and mr wang keeps going back to mr ho and and bringing him in and bringing him in and all these things was like i don't know why he's doing this i don't know Mm -hmm. why is he messing with this guy he's clearly the wiser of the two gentlemen and uh more manipulative and what not more uh perhaps a higher rank of class certainly we find out later although he's maybe pretending to be something other than he's not right but uh that question lingered a little bit for me until mr wang was injured and then it made perfect sense that he needed a bodyguard but i think that came after he had already hired him in fact i know it did right so a little bit of story mechanics, and I just was like, yeah, okay, I don't, you know, maybe this would be a little more impactful, or if you did a remake, you would want uh, to milk a little more emotion or maybe sense out of that, if you will. Or maybe it made perfect sense to you. I'm just being grumpy gloss. I don't know. It didn't, I can I can clearly tell you right now, it did not make more sense to me. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, it, it did require some reading of the Wikipedia page. Okay. I will absolutely not own up to that. What I found interesting was uh, it was it was kind of a flip side of some of the movies that we've watched on here where I wasn't totally following what was going on or why even people were doing what they were doing. Sure. At, at all times. But I also, in the moment, didn't really care because I just wanted to keep watching what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then when I, you know, when I was done like watching, I was like, okay, well now I'm going to go back and see what I was supposed to get. And I really like like reading over the Wikipedia page and the stuff that it told me that I wasn't getting out of the movie is another reason why I kind of wanted to watch the un like a, like a subtitled version or something. Yeah. Just to see is there something in the translation that just was not coming through, or you know, was it so um, geared toward a like maybe a Chinese audience that it was like, well, they'll get it. And, and I just totally 
am not going to get what's happening from the visuals. You know, like when he yeah. reveals that he's a prince to the cops or whatever, I was like, I mean, I understand that means something, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that yeah. kind of stuff was was a little lost, but uh, it kind of lost me. But yeah, it, it was it was really the kind of thing where I was like, I, I kind of don't care. Um, I can just keep watching. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's enough there that's sprinkled in that it's just a matter in some ways of just being patient and letting the movie unfold and kind of explain some of those those questions that you may have early on. Because, yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead and give like the larger kind of picture of this story that's not in that synopsis. And that is that, yes, you have these two guys, Wang and Ho. And Mr. Wang is pretending to be someone other than who he is, which is a son of the emperor, a mm-hmm. pre, a prince. There's a sitting emperor, and he is going to name his successor very soon. It turns out that he has 14 sons, and Mr. Wang, I believe, is brother number 11. Mm-hmm. Someone is trying to kill him. It doesn't take a whole lot of guesswork to figure out that it's another one of the brothers, right? That I'm as assuming... They're presuming that brother number 11 is going to get the throne because it doesn't appear that he's trying to kill any of the other 14 brothers. So I don't know if if Wang was just the obvious choice or the favored son. Maybe that's some things that are lost a little bit in the translation. But I think you would have to believe that he is the most likely candidate to assume the throne. The other brother's jealous, wants to take him out, and... Where does Ho fit into all of this? Well, I think to like explain that, we should just start with the beginning of this movie mm-hmm. because that is one of the most glorious things I've ever seen and uh, like completely delivered on the martial arts aspect of this movie yep. in a way that I got a little impatient with uh, with the Street Fighter. Yeah. Gosh, I don't even know how to explain this other than to go back, I think, to my... Uh, crutch of saying musical 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 right this movie like the title credit sequence opens literally on a like a sound stage you know it's a completely white backdrop and there's this great overhead shot of like 10 dudes dressed in black leaning over what looks like a treasure chest it's actually like a jewelry box but a very large jewelry box you know and they lean back in a, like a very choreographed simultaneous way and you reveal all these like glimmering jewels. And then in steps Ho. And Ho, like, we have to explain what he looks like here a little bit. He uh, is sort of, I don't know what era like this is common to, but, or if it's like common to study Kung Fu or what. He's got the haircut thing where pretty much the front half of his head is completely shaved. And the back half is completely long and in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is wearing, you know, like a black silk looking gi, I guess, of some sort. The top is sort of divided diagonally into black and white. He looks like a black and white cookie almost, you know, um, mm-hmm. but he's kicking ass. And he has this thing on his shaved forehead that almost. At first glance, I'm like, what? what is that? It looks like, you know, as if he had cut his head shaving and stuck a big square of toilet paper on there, but his blood was black right. and in a perfect circle. 
And I'll be damned if that didn't get explained later because <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, yeah, is this just, this is just like a costume. This, this is something I don't understand right. and I'm not going to understand. It's just a guy with a weird ink blot uh, paper on his head. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't, I was so happy that, that it wasn't. That was so was funny. Cause yeah, I, I too was like, I was accepting it as well. That's probably traditional in China. <laughs> yeah. uh, garment that was worn to signify right uh, nope <laughs> not nope. at all we're just we're, like they didn't explain it even a little bit and uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty great uh let's talk about the fighting a little bit because at least in this sequence you know they're using freeze frames but that makes sense because they're also giving title cards and credits and stuff it's a lot uh well a it's kung fu i think they say that clearly and there's levels of proficiency mm -hmm. clearly in this movie between characters who do kung fu but unlike the last one i don't remember any sort of like specific debate of like oh your style of kung fu is like a different school of thought and that's like you know worse or there's any sort of like rivalry between right the subset of martial arts under this kung fu umbrella i don't know my wife did tell me that uh, after listening to the Street Fighter episode that that's a very big deal uh, as far as like schools of you know, karate and, and some of the Japanese martial arts that uh, it, that still exist today as far as a bit of competition between the the arts. So, hey, again, be careful what you pick. Yeah. Cobra Kai, do or die. Ho is fighting off these guys, and then, like, you'll get a shot where he, like, just smiles hugely and is, like, holding up these jewels, and then you'll freeze frame. And then, in the same sequence, we see Mr. Wang. And Mr. Wang has a similar haircut. He is a bit leaner of a gentleman, I would say, a bit smaller frame, or seemingly so. Uh, he's got a mustache. That's a big distinguishing factor between the two of them. He comes in, and boy, howdy, he kicks some ass, too. I think he's a little more proficient in using weapons. He definitely dons a sword and a staff here and there a bit more than Ho does. I don't know. Like, his movement is... It's so controlled. Like, it's one of those things where, and like, I remember seeing... I think there's a scene in Crouching Tiger where Chow Yun-Fat sort of does the same thing. It's almost like... He's only moving the part of his body that is delivering the punch, the kick, the action, right? Mm -hmm. And every other part of his body sort of stays in this completely like formal posture at times. That's evident in this opening and then big time in several sequences within the film. Most of it is all moving at this incredibly rapid pace. There doesn't appear to be any camera trickery with that whatsoever. No. Long takes. Yeah. I loved that whole yeah. sequence. I was surprised by how long it went on. At mm -hmm. one point, it involves an entire group of archers. and <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it was just like, I don't know what this is. There's jewels, and these two guys seem like they're partners somehow. And uh, that's a cool opening sequence. It's almost like a James Bond title credit thing. It's like, uh, it's not, well, I don't know. It is connected to story, but it's like, it lives on its own in a weird way. Yeah, it's 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 very much flash forwardy and... Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like, this is where their relationship will be at the mm -hmm. end. You know, like, yeah, it's kind of an interesting way to open up. But like you're saying, it's it's a very musical thing. It's not, and I think this holds true throughout the entire movie, it's not really realistic. No. In any sense, 
but at the same time, it's not, uh, it, it, it never tips over fully into dance where it's like self-conscious about the choreography. Like the choreography always feels like very, like it's leading right out of the last thing. Boom, boom, boom. Like, like all that makes logical sense to me. But at the same time, it's so choreographed that you know it's not two people really like trying to hurt each other. No, and yet it's not exaggerated in the the extent for ultra violence sort of effect. Right. There's no exaggerated throws or like kicks where somebody goes completely flying as if you know a superhero has kicked them. You know, there's none of that necessarily. I don't think like. And in- well, I mean, there, there, I was going to say there, there's certainly a, a fantastic throw, one that I can think of right now. But, but you're right. It's it's not really superhuman. Yeah. And and uh, well, and, and that's what kind of leads me a little bit to feeling like this is something you could show to kids. Yeah. Because the 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 violence is more, I don't know, artistic than it is like. Yep. Scary. You know what I mean? Like it's just like amazing to watch these people do it. Yeah, totally. And then I think um, like the second big draw of this movie happens after this sequence, and you open up in. It almost like to me it it look I didn't know what to call it in my notes other than like it looks like a marketplace of sorts mm-hmm. and uh, you're seeing this little area that's crowded by several you know there's several like outdoor buildings and there's appears to be like some sort of like canal system or a creek or something where there's you know these walkable bridges over things there's a lot of people and a ton of color like and immediately I was like wow this this movie looks really good. Yeah, uh, the tra- tra- yeah transfer looks really good, and just the colors of this are kind of gorgeous here. You've got lanterns hanging up, you know, a lot of women wearing brightly colored you know kimonos, and it's really kind of eye catching and eye pleasing. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the women in this sequence because yes, I also got vibes of a brothel of sorts uh, in this scene, and if not brothel at least the women are there to be in service of the men's entertainment. Uh, there's no. no any hint of like sexual impropriety or any sort of sex act happening in this sequence at all. It's a kind of a long sequence. Instead, what we find out is that Mr. Ho and Mr. Wang are in two separate rooms, basically. There's kind of this game that they end up playing where they're trying to impress the ladies the most by offering more money and more jewels. And all this is leading to the fact that each of them, I think, has a jewelry box. And Mr. Wang wants that other jewelry box and cleverly figures out a way to get it. Uh, but within that, and again, it's kind of a long sequence. There's money that comes out, which, at least in the English dubbing, got called tails, as in T-A-I-L-S. I had the captions on. Mm-hmm. It's money. It's a currency that unfolds to be about the size of a regular sheet of paper, <laughs> which uh, I thought was kind of amazing. Um, pretty large there. Okay, not going to fold that up in your billfold too well. Man, these women are enamored by any sort of money. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's a bit problematic, probably, when they're really the only women in the movie for the most part. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, this is 1974, and this is martial arts, so maybe that's not why you're here. 
not to let them off the hook. It kind of ends when, I, I don't know, I, they're called constables, but essentially it's like a police force, right? They come and break up this scene, and somehow they've heard that one of these two jewelry boxes was stolen. There was a moment where it seems as if Ho and Wang are going to work together because maybe both of those jewelry boxes are stolen. So Mr. Wang is like, oh, Mr. Ho here, my friend, is, is very, very drunk. And Mr. Ho pretends to be very, very drunk. But then Mr. Wang is like, if you could escort him home safely, that would be fantastic. And so as Ho is being carried out by the police and he's got his jewelry box, Mr. Wang is like, oh, I'm sorry, friend, you're very drunk. This is actually mine. This belongs to me. So I'll take that. Mr. Ho is dragged out of the area. And once he convinces the police that he is not, in fact, drunk, he vows never to be made a fool of again mm -hmm. by this Mr. Wang, who the only reason he was able to do it in the first place, it said, is because he had contacts, which I, I just like. It's like because of his contacts, he was able to make a fool of me. And he's like, yeah. wait till he sees me next time or something like that. Well, he goes back to the area where they were and all the women and Mr. Wang are completely gone. And so, uh, yeah, that kind of foils his plan right there. I do want to mention one of my favorite voice dubbings was in the, the group of constables. There, <laughs> there was a guy who, he was saying the line, like, are you really sober? Which, you know, right. I would just expect in like an Americanized version, a reading of it would be like, are you really sober? But this was like, are you really sober? It was so so weird. I laughed out loud. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, yeah, for as for as uh, I, I don't know, maybe as cartoonish as the the movie plays. Anyway, like the voices are so over the top. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like crazy over the top. At, at least in the dubbing. Yeah. And, and yeah, it can be uh, painful sometimes. Yeah, and just absolutely do not match like what you would imagine this person's voice to sound like. Oh. Maybe like six out of ten, ten people in this movie, you know. So well, it seems like no one ever really speaks like in a normal voice at all. I know, it's yeah. Always like, yeah. You know, it's just like, what? Why, why are you talking that way? Like, but then there are some work. people that are just a little flat, you know. And then there are some people that yes. are a little like high pitch, and uh, it was crazy. It was like I, I found myself thinking, it was like, man. If you replaced all the actors with puppets, this would be perfect voice acting. Like, you know, it's like that. Like, it reminded me of, like, the Muppets or something. Yeah. Just the voices. Speaking of, one of the next big sequences was one of my favorites and absolutely kind of cartoonish. Well, extremely cartoonish. The next big fight sequence happens when Ho discovers Wang is, like, hanging out, I think, in a restaurant. And there's this blind, seemingly blind, fortune teller that walks by. And the next thing you know, like Ho is kind of being led into an area where there appears to be a group of, as they call them, cripples. There's a guy who's missing a leg. And there's a guy who's missing an arm, even though it's like, mm, it looks pretty obvious that it's just hidden underneath his like, you know, shirt in the sleeve there. Uh, there's a guy with a with a hunchback that's not at all round, but looks like he's got a pillow back there. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, I don't know, you tell me, I didn't know. I was like, are these just like really bad, 
Like this is what they could afford to make these people look like <laughs> they're actually or or what? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's very much the same thing. And and at this point, so somewhere around this point is when I first had opened the Wikipedia page. Okay. And learned that he couldn't reveal the extent of his martial arts knowledge. Wang could. Oh, okay. This was the first time I understood that at all. I, I didn't understand that before now. Do you know, did it say why he couldn't reveal it? Would that be revealing himself as uh, exact. the prince? Exactly. Ah, okay. He is a martial arts master, and the only person, the only kind of people who would know that would be a very high stature. Gotcha. Now, and, see, and that's some good cultural context that I did not pick up on, Craig. Well, I, I don't know how you would have. Honestly, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you would have. But I, And I can say that piece of information makes the rest of this movie so enjoyable. Because otherwise, I wouldn't. I, I, honestly, I would have been a little lost in a lot of other things. Oh, that does? Like, like, yeah. That why does he fight the way he does? Like, why yeah. doesn't he just come out okay. and fight people? Okay, um, yeah, we'll get to that in a bit, but yeah, that yeah. that explains one of the ways he's fighting later on in a in a big way to me. Well, and speaking of, I just noticed in my notes, like in this scene, somebody asked uh, Ho about his style of kung fu, and he calls it soba boxing. I think S O B A, and uh, so I don't know what that is, but it's out there. It's certainly not boxing like American boxing whatsoever. Next thing you know, yeah, he ends up fighting all these guys in sort of one by one in really inventive and oftentimes comical ways. They are revealed that uh, these cripples are not crippled and they're all faking it. Um, You know, there's a great sort of like low shot of the guy um, with one leg when, you know, his second leg just slowly pops down from underneath Mm -hmm. his very long robe or shirt that he's wearing. And then I think with the guy that had one arm, he was fighting Ho with like a staff. And at one point, the staff switches hands, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And they pause. It's like, wait, what was that? And then sure enough, like he does, like he pulls his other arm out. But I was like, that's really clever and smart. <laughs> and another thing they do really, really well throughout the entire movie, but I think was first evident to me in this sequence is the sort of use of props in their fighting. You know, there's... In the, just in this one fight, they use a vase really interestingly well and a stool. Like there's a great shot where he uses a stool and he ends up sort of pinning this guy to the ground and sits yeah. on the stool. And then he dances his feet around the guy's head and he goes, ding, 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 ding. Like he's just singing this little song. <laughs> and uh, that made me laugh. And it was just like, it was just fun. It was just like Ho is having a blast with these guys doing what he's doing. Now, here's something that was confusing to me a little bit. Throughout all this, you're right. Like, Mr. Wang is just watching this, not fighting himself. He whispers to a guard at one point while Ho is fighting this group of cripples that aren't cripples that, you know, they should apprehend Ho and get him out of here, but then let him go after a little bit. And so that's exactly what happens. But when he's let go, he's met by, like, dozens of of men who were all kind of dressed in the same uh, like outfit uniform that the pretend cripples were in. And they're there thanking him for thanking Ho for giving him, giving them his jewelry. And he goes, my jewelry. I I didn't understand that exactly. Did you? I did not. I don't understand the motivation behind it. Well, I wonder, it was like, did did Mr. Wang some because he has the jewelry box that Ho had stolen, right? Mm-hmm. 
did he give it to these guys and say, oh, well, it's you should thank him, you know, just to annoy Ho? That's how I understood it, yes. Okay. But that's what he did. And I, I'm, I'm not sure why he would do that, aside yeah. from it does sort of keep Ho coming back. Yes. You know, it does make Ho return to him, which is clearly something he wants to have happen. Yeah. But as you were saying before, I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I was starting to ask that question a little bit, but also just, it's so fun. It's just like, well, he, you know, if you looked at it as like, oh, he's just being a troll, you know, he's just messing with this guy for some reason, and you're patient with, like, that's going to reveal itself, like, you'll definitely still enjoy it. Okay, so what you've informed me with kind of makes sense now for one of the next great fights, I thought, was Ho goes to see Wang, I think they're back sort of at the area where all the women were, right? That sort of, we're not going to call it brothel, but probably a brothel. And he's there with a woman who's playing the lute. You know, this is sort of, you're getting a real sense of who these two guys are by the fact that Ho immediately jumps to fighting. Like, that's yes. how, like, any, like, that's his knee-jerk reaction or just his, in his DNA is, you got a problem, right. this is how you solve it, right? Mr. Wang is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You always start your, your conversations, your business this way. Yeah, that totally makes sense now if he is saying that because he cannot out himself as a fighter of right. a certain level of skill. Now, that would be one thing to just have them like constantly run away with it, but no, this movie is so much smarter than that because in this very sequence, Wang does this by using the loot-playing girl to basically fight Ho while he's almost controlling her like a puppet just by moving her arms you know, in defense and then in a little bit of offense and, you know, ends up whacking Ho in the head with the loot at times. And it's like insanely, amazingly choreographed, I thought. It was like such a cool sequence. And this poor woman is right in the middle of it. She's like, I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. I'm not a fighter, you know. It's just so cleverly done and so exact. And yeah, okay, that makes sense to me now. This is why he's doing that. It's not just because it's fun. Yeah. There's an actual like plot service thing that's happening here. There was one thing in that sequence, though, Craig. There's a moment where Ho like gets one past her and punches her hard in the stomach. Yes. And nothing happens. Right. Did he block did Wang block that under her shirt or something? Or That's right? what I thought happened. That's the only way I can explain that. And it kind of yeah, because her reaction is kind of like a gasp. Yeah. She does not seem hurt, but she does seem surprised. Very. As was like I. That would be surprising. <laughs> yes. I'm still not sure how he would get his his arm under there to block it without it being really awkward and lifting up that robe, uh, the kimono. Right. But uh, I, I guess that's how we're supposed to. It was cool. I mean, it's cool. But uh, yes. Okay. So here is one of the pinnacle moments of the movie, though. Uh, to end this fight, uh, there is a bit of a sword that comes out from this girl, and it ends up catching Ho on the head. Yeah. And so now he's bleeding. And he goes back and he bandages this, but we find out it's been five days and it won't stop bleeding. <laughs> and uh, I'm starting to connect the dots here, literally. And then he goes and sees one doctor to complain that the medicine isn't working and he's sent to another doctor. There's a great shot where he's like scraping this like uh, tea leaf mixture that he had placed, you know, made a uh, 
uh, it made like a paste of sorts to put on top of this wound. The camera was in the right place for that because you could just see sort of like the back of Ho's head and this like giant massive fake wound <laughs> coming yeah. off the side and this guy is scraping this junk off and he was like, yep, you've been poisoned. Uh, you know, you got to find the antidote. Finally, yeah, it starts to make sense now. So he goes to Wang and Wang has the antidote. Uh, the girl is gone. The loop playing girl is gone. And Mr. Wang is the only one that knows the antidote. He will give it to Ho on one condition. And that is Ho becomes his disciple. And it turns out the antidote, yes, when you put it on your, your gaping wound on your head with a little bit of paper, it makes a black dot on your head. And so sure enough, that's <laughs> what the opening uh, weird thing on that guy's head, that's what it was all about. Yes. I had no idea, Craig. No, me not. I still find it a little alarming that it would be black, you know, just solid, solid ink jet black. Sure. <laughs> I feel like that can't be good uh, if there's mm, anything coming out of your body that's making that color or even having an antidote. Which seems bad. Seems like a bad idea. I'm not a. I'm not an ancient Chinese medicine doctor, you know. Well, don't sell yourself. I do want to pay attention to one line that happened. I think when. Ho went to see the original doctor, and there was a group of guys, like old dudes, around who were, I believe, laughing at the fact that his wound had not stopped bleeding in five days. Right. Oh, yeah. He screams, shut up, you bunch of old turkeys. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, that's pretty salty. Pretty salty. Okay, so there's two big sequences that kind of happen that are slightly, not necessarily repetitive, but variations on the same thing. And this is after Ho has been hired as a bodyguard. And Mr. Wang ends up getting two invitations. Invitation? Two invitations. In Sorry, I'm inventing an invitation. That's all right. Two invitations. One is to go see, to go to a wine tasting with some guy who's got some very fancy... Cantonese wines. Mm -hmm. When he goes to do this, of course, he wants Ho to come with him. And we find out pretty quickly that uh, Mr. Wine Man, Mr. Fang, or Fan, I don't remember how they said it or spelled it, but it's a guy who's got a fan. He's not just interested in uh, sharing a cup of uh, Merlot with Mr. Wang there. He's, he's trying to kill him. But That's right. you want to describe the sort of fight sequence and how they do that in this one? Because that, again... You saying what you said about him not revealing his true ability makes 100% for the way they choreograph this. Yes, and again, it's it's really the key to this whole movie, and, and it kind of makes me wish they had made a bigger deal of it in the actual movie. <laughs> yeah, it would have helped but, me. <laughs> uh, uh, just just for, for, for us American sorts. Yeah, so everyone seems to be being very polite to each other, but clearly... Wang is certain that something is up, mm -hmm. and when they, when he is offered these what nine special wines, and they start tasting them, and they'll move from chair to chair for each tasting, and so yeah. my read on it was the wine is poison, and so if he drinks it, he'll die, and that's what you know people are trying to kill him, so he knows that, and so but he's trying to pretend yep. as if everything is still going normally. But he's doing all these, it, it, it all becomes about their hands pretty much, at least at first. And so he's doing all these blocks with his hands, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have yep. these special mm -hmm. goblets to drink out of. Like I think one is, is an elephant, but they're all these odd shapes and everything. 
And so he'll hold it, and and the only way to describe it is it's just this heavily choreographed fight scene where most of it is just him blocking people's hands from pushing the thing into his face to make him drink it, and him pretending like everything's normal, and and like totally pretending like everything's normal. And it's it's really pretty funny once you kind of get that key to it, right? And then. And, you know, and then he says, oh, I thought you had some other wine to taste. Oh, we do. And they, and they like, move through the nine different wines. And by the end, it's, like, full body contact. Like, he's, like, having to fight these two guys without showing that he's fighting them and, and ends up walking away. Now, here's my question for you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Why is, is he trying to find out who's trying to kill him? Yeah. Is that his goal in this movie? I think so, although, yeah, it gets lost in the weeds a little bit, because that would honestly be the, like, why would you go accept this invitation, <laughs> right? You know, if you're just... Right, but why not yeah, just not go If you're go just, there? Yeah. you know, clearly motivated by, I'm just not going to put myself in a position where someone might try to kill me, I'll just stay home and right. be protected uh, in my nice little comfy room here. But no, he doesn't do that. So yeah, I, he definitely is trying to figure that out. And Ho ends up trying to help figure that out as well along the way. So I think that would be why we uh, would uh, you know expect him to actually show up there. It's a little less clear to me yeah. why you know the people he's fighting in this sequence and in the next one, like why they sort of try to keep up this this ruse a little bit too. It's like they're not wanting to let on who they are either. You know, or just like full on attack. Yeah, which is so weird. But as far as like a set piece goes, like yeah, it's it's crazy, and like a good portion of like what you described happens when they're both just sitting down, and it's still yes, like impressive, and you get the sense that there's like force behind these motions and these these thrusts and these movements that they're doing, which is just with their hands at first. Uh, it's crazy. And like, they don't spill yeah. the tea either, which is kind of amazing. Well, and it's really something to look at in, yeah, in terms totally. of how you shoot action. Yeah. And like how, even though they are just sitting in chairs, they're doing these really choreographed things. There's, there's this really specific rhythm to all of it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, all the shot choices are, are so good. And the like, just slight movements, like a, like a quick pan here and there, and like that really makes it really exciting. And they're not even on their feet. Uh, I, I would argue some of that sitting down fighting was more exciting to me than anything that happened in Street Fighter. But yeah, you know, I, you know, that's 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 my take on it. I also uh, like that they are able to do just a little more with these two characters in these scenes because. You know, it's kind of set up as this is a high class thing that he's doing, this wine tasting. Mm-hmm. And of course, Ho is not high class. And so he's kind of bored and just like, you know, looks down on all this. So it's just like, yeah, I'm going to go take a walk or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. just go. So he's not even in the picture for all this, which is part of But he'll like come back every now and then. And like, you know, it's like the, that's when they're like back in their posture pretending to be, uh, you know, who they are. Yeah. And, uh, that was kind of fun. And then, you know, that happens again. There's another, he gets another invitation. And this time it's from like an antique dealer. And it's ex- the exact same setup for a, for a fight sequence. Only this time, it's way more focused on their feet, right? There's kicking mm-hmm. involved instead of like it all being there's this hand movement. Um, but between there, there was a shot and like a little thing that I loved where we get to see 
uh, Ho changing out the bandage on his head with the antidote. And see, we see that it's getting smaller and like he's kept them all on his wall. And so it's just like, oh, yeah, he's got them all pinned up on the wall. There's like little, you know, bandages that he had on his head with these giant black spots that are, you know, slowly getting smaller. So I thought was great. But yeah, so in the second fight here, things do become a little bit clearer because I was like, you got to be like, are they going to do this again? Like this exact same routine here? You know, it's like, Ho is like, I don't see what's so great about these damn antiques. I'm going to go take a walk, you know? Right. But like he's outside and he looks in and he's like, huh, look like they were moving. And then he looks in again and he's like, why are they flying around like that? And it's true because like a lot of movement is happening between Wang and this guy he's fighting. And like the guy's got knives in his shoes and all this stuff. And there's yeah. a couple other guys that are also wearing, uh, you know, Reebok blades, I guess. And um, uh, so they're like, you know, moving in and out of this uh, large scroll and behind it in front of it. And finally, Ho is like, oh, this is a fight going on. And then, oh, my master is really good at Kung Fu. Yeah. Um, but he does join in and he helps take this one bad guy down. And in the process, he's like, tell us who's who do you work for? Who's trying to kill Mr. Wang? And this guy says, you know, and he's he's basically on his deathbed. He's like, uh, you know, the answer are in the instructions on the scroll. If you read it, you know, you'll find out who's trying to kill you. And so he gets this large scroll, but in it, there's a knife. And he sends the knife flying into Mr. Wang's leg, and then they get out of there. We find out shortly after that. I mean, I think we had cut to this guy before, but I did not know who he was. But... It turns out to be another one of the princes, his brother, number four, who like shows up and is obviously, you know, he's the one that's been hiring these guys. And he's very disappointed that this guy pretending to be an antiques dealer wasn't able to finish the job. And uh, there was a great shot where they just <laughs> him and this other guy, you know, punch the antique dealer in the chest without even like looking at him and knock him out. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but so the end result of all that is that Wang is now incapacitated to the extent that he's not going to be able to walk for, I think, several months is what they said, right? Yeah. And in the meantime, Ho wants to learn to be as good at Kung Fu as Mr. Wang. And so, you know, there's a bit of a training sequence. As my wife was telling me, Kung Fu is all about toughening up your extremities, I guess, by kicking and punching very hard things repeatedly, which cannot be good for you in the long run, I would have to no. imagine. But for uh, that one fight you're going to get in, it's really I, good for I you. guess, yeah. It's going to yeah. hurt the other guy if you can't feel anything at all in your leg. Gotcha. Yeah, there's some some really intense stuff here where, you know, Ho is like, he's kicking these, these wooden posts that are wrapped in rope and just repeatedly hard, hard, hard. And uh, I loved the thing where it was about, like, he's got to have balance in his shoulders. Uh, mm -hmm. even when he's doing kicks. And so they set it up where he's got to walk with two candles, basically, on his shoulder, one on each shoulder, and do kicks. That wax spills down his shirtless body many times. It's like, oh, my God. And then sometimes a flame will hit it, and it's just like, it's played comically, but it was like, man, that's that's pretty intense, you know. This, the... And then, Craig, in comes the whack pack. Oh, man, the whack pack. <laughs> How, how and where from and so many questions uh, so many questions there is a gentleman who he was overhearing that 
this guy, Mr. Wang, who I don't know if he knows who Mr. Wang is, is worth some money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he can bring him in, oh, then he wouldn't have to split the money with these guys, blah, 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 blah. And so the next thing you know, he's talking to, I want to say a woman, um, I'm going to put that in loose quotations, named Bitter Katie. Yes. (laughs) I did not know where this was going. Well, yeah, um, this this does... We're entering the, the, the period of the movie where things might be problematic, but I'm not sure if they really are. Uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure either. Okay. They knock on the door of where uh, Wang is training Ho. Right. And Ho has to go answer it because Wang can't even really walk. And the voice on the other side of the door, at least in the English dub, is a really... I like I've thought of almost it's like a 1940s Hollywood actress, right? The actress herself is either a man or a woman who's smoked for like 50 years sure. uh, just from the look of it, right? Sure. So shouldn't sound like that. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if it's a trans thing or if it's a man in drag or what like it, it is not made clear. Um, no, but it is played for the effect that when, you know, Ho, who gets excited, is like, oh, it sounds like there's a couple women out here. They're looking for me. Well, this is unusual. I'm going to go open that door. And he opens the door and it's right. like, oh, this is not what I expected. But we are then treated to the joy of watching him fight uh, one by one, pretty much these men who are with Bitter Katie. And they all have names such as the Sufferer who is this very large guy. And <laughs> there is such a good shot was, of yeah. uh, Ho just pounding away on this guy's stomach with his fist rapidly. And this guy's like not even flinching at all. Maybe doesn't look like he's all there mentally. I, I do think we have to put that out sure. there for several of these. But he's, he's a meat shield. He is. Uh, Bitter Katie is kind of walking us through all of this with, with her dialogue. And then he fights the biter who is a guy who just bites you like when he fights, which is yeah. great. And I mean, aggressive, really. It looked like it hurt, yeah. Pretty amazing. And then yeah. I think my favorite was next was the guy they called the face, who just slaps the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then... And sometimes himself. Yeah. And sometimes himself. And they like to the point where he's almost making himself cry, which I just right. didn't understand. Uh, there was one called the man who... I still don't know what his deal was. Like he looked like he was doing synchronized dancing, uh, and then there's a cross-eyed guy, and then uh, Bitter Katie herself fights, and she uh, holds a tea kettle the whole time, and it's like spilling all over the place. But finally, she's able to pour some into Ho's mouth, and she says that when this happens, it will cause a change. Uh, what is the change that happens, Craig? To oh, Ho, man. Well, that's a, that's. <laughs> That's a good question, because it seems like the change is that he becomes effeminate uh, yes. for about 10 seconds. Yeah. And I don't know what that was all about. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, here's the thing. This group of people came there to find Wang and take him back. Mm-hmm. But now they've spent 45 hours doing whatever this was. <laughs> fighting ho <laughs> and and then and then yeah. in the end it seems like none of them have done anything 
because then they're all back standing the way they were before anybody started fighting at the gate. So, so yeah, it's like, okay, maybe some of that happened. But, but yeah, it's basically that Ho, Ho gets the tea in his mouth. He seems to actually have makeup on for a second. And he's like effeminate for a second. And then he kind of shakes his head. Yeah. And they're back where they start. It's maybe problematic, but it was, a, I, I will admit, I totally laughed at that shot where he sort of transformed well, well, yeah, himself that's... into that. Just the face he made. It's like Bugs Bunny when yeah. he puts on makeup, you know? I, I guess like... that's the thing about about my my questioning of whether it's problematic or not. It's like they, they never go I for like know. an obvious joke in it. At least I, at yeah. least I didn't feel like they did. Like it was, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like if he had gone and turned and kissed Wang after that or the sufferer or somebody. Right. Like and they one had of the some men. like gay panic thing about it. But he was just, he was just like a pretty girl for a second. And then, and then he shook his head. Like it wasn't, yeah, yeah there wasn't like a, haha. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was kind of played for laughs, but. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I have a lot of soul searching. Yeah. I, we all do. Um, yeah. We all but do. I think it kind of ends when Wang gives them money. And uh, as they're counting it, uh, or as Bitter Katie is counting it, uh, Ho kicks every single one of them in the nuts without, like, you know, he doesn't move his shoulders, right? And they they drop one by one, which was great. Oh, that's and uh, that was from there yes. we leave, and I think this is like the first yeah. time in the movie where I think our like setting palette, if you will, expands exponentially, and like we get a shot of like a mountain landscape for a brief moment. And Ho is pushing Wang in a wheelchair, which is just a great image, right? Mm-hmm. There's this crazy windstorm. There was a line sure. again that I loved, where uh, Ho is like, "Why did we? Why did you choose this route? This one's very bumpy and full of bears, and <laughs> there is not a bear in this movie no. whatsoever. Like there is no. no. That is just like okay. Like uh, I was like, are we gonna see a bear? Or why would you? <laughs> why would you put that in the dialogue? Nope. Does it? It just okay. is in there. Loved it. Um, we find out there at this place called a, a typhoon wall that was built to sort of like help control or prevent the wind from destroying the city or, or messing with the, the city's buildings and it didn't work or whatever. It almost looks like ruins now where they're at. But the colors are cool. There's all this wind going on and then boom, they're attacked by a group of archers and they pull out these giant umbrellas and shield themselves and man, that stuff was great. There's, I, I just like the colors again are really popping. The shot selection was awesome. You get that sort of like musical overhead shot where you're, it's like birds, a total bird's eye, straight down view, and you see those umbrellas. There's a great fight sequence through all that, and like literally, uh, there were spears, uh, there were the bow and arrows. There's swords. There's a guy with a cape who fights like using his cape somehow. Yeah. There's just like all kinds of fun stuff here they use the wheelchair really well i thought yeah there's a moment where i think like ho used his feet to kick a uh, a staff over his head and wang's head and like land in wang's arms in the wheelchair or something like that yeah uh it was pretty awesome and um the guy that had the cape they sort of immobilize right as another group of archers appear and the archers shoot at Ho and Wang, but end up killing this guy that had the cape. And as he dies, he screams, it was Prince uh, Four, yeah. uh, Prince Number Four, or whatever. It's like, okay. 
I'm not gonna lie, like it wasn't until then that I was like completely clear what, what was going on, <laughs> sure. what was going on with that storyline, but that's okay. I'm a little slow. And we do get a shot then where we're at like the royal palace and we're in a room and you've got these guys who are all dressed somewhat identically. And it's clear that these are the princes. These are the 14 brothers. And they're saying, where is brother number 11? You know, have you seen him? I will point out, Craig, that they all looked roughly about the same age, which if you're having 14 children, I wonder how that works exactly as far as... Well, it's not easy, Sean. Okay, well, okay. You, you sound like you speak from experience. Oh, it's news yes, to me. And so we're basically setting up our final showdown, which is with brother number four. And then, but there's two guys with them, and I'm still not clear who those two get. Are those just like henchmen, or are they supposed to be somebody else? Uh, wait, with the general? Yeah, I, I guess is he the general? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just they're just okay. a couple of henchmen. I think. Well, the fight that happens now. Do you think it's fair to say that it's over seven minutes? I would say at least, yes. It's insanely impressive. I mean, I'm not going to lie. like it yeah. is, That's a lot of fighting to watch uh, in one extended sequence. But it's, it's just crazy. And like that whole thing felt really kind of pure to me. Like I'm just watching pure fighting, right? You know, um, yeah. there are some weapons involved. But still, it was more just about like, the hand-to-hand, the movement of these guys and like where they position themselves to one another and some of the like acrobatic nature of it. Right. And it's just kind of amazing. I mean, it just is kind of mind-blowing. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. I can't think of another sequence like that that I've seen that's that long that just plays out like that. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. I think you know it's how beautiful. it's going to end a little bit, right? Everyone dies. Everyone dies, including Ho. No, Ho and Wang make it out just in time as the emperor comes into the room, presumably to announce his successor. Wang is shoved in behind a beaded curtain. He's, you know, frantically throwing on his robe and hat so that he looks, you know, uh, of the family. Mm-hmm. And I believe Ho says, Master, your beads, and hands him his beads. And I think he says, your staff or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to rewind this and it ended up going to the beginning of the movie. So I was still yeah. unclear, but... Does Wang accidentally hit him with the staff? Something happens and Ho gets knocked backwards and he goes flying backwards. We get a shot of it and it freeze frames and that's the end of the movie. Yes. I mean, that. my take on it was that, yeah, that he was, he shoved the shaft, the shaft, he shoved the <laughs> staff through the door with the beads on it and said, Master, beads and, and yeah. your staff. And then, yeah, and then Wang used the staff to then push him back out so that no one would see it. Yeah. That was my take on it. It's clearly played for comedy. I mean, right. I think, right, yeah, it's not supposed to be any sort of, like, uh, what, what's going on? Like, now he's betraying Ho or something like that? No. Right. Well, and so here's my thing. Here's a question that I'm left with. At the end of this movie, so, you know, you've kind of come to realize that someone was trying to kill Wang for the whole thing. It was his number four brother. Mm-hmm. If Wang is the 11th brother, what's the point of killing him? I don't, I mean, as in, like, well, it just seems are that, 10 other brothers going to have to die before he becomes the successor? Kind of. Yeah, I, I guess, I like, know. I wasn't fully clear, like, was he a favored brother and he was going to be the one? And 
So they wanted to off him. I, or was I he think, trying to off all the other brothers? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I definitely did not feel like he was trying to off all the other brothers. And yeah. like, if that were the case, then yeah, you would just off numbers one through three, right? If you're number it four. It would seem like it. But yeah. And it, it also just the way it was phrased in the dialogue. And again, this is all being translated. So who knows? But it was like, the king is going to name his successor as if it's not already written in stone. That's how I read it. So it's right, like, right. I guess. Fair uh, you know, based on, upon that, I think it's fair to assume that, yeah, he gets to pick who he wants it to be, and it might not be you, and it might not be you. So that all of that, I, th- I think, could could be clear or could just be some sort of cultural thing that we're missing sure. out on. But, yeah, nonetheless, I think it's a lot of fun, but it is an interesting choice that they don't give you the satisfaction of seeing him be named the successor, yeah. right? And on one hand, I get it because the movie's not really about that as much as it is about... Uh, Wang and Ho, right? Which is kind of funny now that I'm thinking about Wang and Ho. Um, but uh, sorry, and uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting choice not to not to just extend the movie probably 45 seconds even and uh, <laughs> find that out. You know, well, I mean, yeah, brother number 11, you're it. You know, I mean, that is honestly, yeah. If the fighting's over, then the movie's over. Absolutely. Like in a way, yeah. like that 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 is really exemplary of. I'm going to say that again. It's exemplary of the spirit of the rest of the movie. Like, who cares yeah. if he gets Although, named? man, it could have been funny, though, if he would have been like, brother number eight, and then they all just break out and fight, you know, just... Like, I mean, yeah. Brothers. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Maybe they missed a, missed a, a, a thing there, buddy. That's where my sequel is going to oh, start. I love it. Right? Dirty Ho 2. Dirtier hoes. <laughs> Uh, I still, I mean, I would love to know the origin of this title because we've talked a little bit about Ho is certainly of a lower class Mm -hmm. than Wang in this society, but it is not one that I would associate as being a dirty class. Like there is a bit of laughter had at the expense of the clothes that Ho is wearing in one moment. But uh, even that, it's not like, he doesn't look like he's destitute, no. you know. It's not like he's living out of a garbage can or anything like that. So it's an interesting I think somebody knew what they were doing when they came up with that English title as all I'm oh, saying. Oh, absolutely. Right? And uh it worked. It got our attention. Totally hooked us. And then yeah. we really enjoyed this movie. So, Craig, is there anything that you liked or didn't like uh particularly that we didn't mention? Well, we, you know what we didn't talk about I, th- I don't think we did anyway. I believe it was the invitation to the wine tasting. And this is right after Ho has agreed to be his servant and is not really happy about it uh-huh. and isn't, isn't used to being treated as a servant. Right. And so a guy shows up with this invitation. Wang wants him to, you know, <laughs> do all the things that a servant would do, like announce the man and bring him in and all that kind of stuff. And so Ho gets really irritated and I want to say he like grabs the guy and like takes him over and yeah. then like throws him up in the air so that the guy is like holding the invitation out to Wang and Wang like takes it and then Ho just like drops the guy on the mm-hmm. ground. Like w- what I really like about that, aside from the fact that it's entertaining to watch, is it kind of goes to show that every square inch of this movie that can have some kind of choreo- choreographed stunt has a choreographed stunt. Yeah. Like they're constantly doing stuff like that. Like everything is, there's really very little that's, that's not sort of choreographed in a way. 
but but it also played really really well as, as a bit of physical humor what about you i, I was gonna I absolutely say the same thing it was like and it's funny too like on top of all that like it's mm-hmm. funny which i think is you know that's got to be a whole other side of choreography that's just i would imagine even more difficult than you know trying to do the same thing with no humor right like god how do you play yeah. that for jokes so I don't know. I, I kind of sit in amazement at all, at all of this stuff. I think that, that, no, that's pretty much it. I'm glad you brought that one up. I definitely had forgotten about that, but it, yeah, it, it absolutely made me laugh and I thought it was a good sort of, you know, little character moment to establish these guys as like an odd couple, you know, yeah. which always works even in different languages and different cultures and completely different genres here. So that's it. I think this is one you would spend uh, an hour and a half of your time with Amazon Prime and and probably really enjoy let's let's compare it a little bit to the Street Fighter. Yeah. Um I'm going to go ahead and guess that you liked this movie better. I did. It's a very yeah. different kind of movie, but yes, I did. Oh, gosh, so different. And it is interesting to watch them back to back and see the different fighting styles in this, yeah. you know. And I think kind of clearly I was more conditioned to what's presented in this movie, in Dirty Ho, than I was with The Street Fighter, which is, yeah, it, it is a really different style of fighting, I think. For sure. And even before it gets kind of like to the gross exaggeration that it does when, uh, you know, junk is getting ripped out yeah. um, in that movie, which, don't get me wrong, that that's a lot of fun too. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty interesting double feature. I don't know, like I figure... Maybe we had the, I don't know if it's better to like cleanse your palate a little bit with, with this movie, which is a lot more joyful, mm-hmm. or if it would work better to like, you know, start off happy and then watch Street Fighter and then go down the dark, dark tunnel there a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the thing that I kind of wonder about my feelings towards, I wonder how much of my feelings towards Street Fighter are based on the terrible VHS transfer that I had to watch. Yeah, that's a good point. And too. even though it probably wouldn't have looked like like a million bucks like this one did, at least it could have it could have looked a lot better. Um, and, and it probably does look a lot better if you're looking at a good transfer of it. I mean, there's they're really such different movies with very different spirits to them. Neither one is is much like anything else that you'll yeah. see. But yeah, like like definitely Dirty Ho, I could watch a number of times. Yeah, and if nothing else, like it, it really does quickly illustrate how different stories can be, uh, how different the choreography and style of movie can be, kind of under this martial arts umbrella, even just from the same era, right? You know, yeah. two different countries, two completely different products. I think um, so. Yeah, that's a good lesson as well. And I'm glad we watched them. I think it was a fun month, Craig. Me too. I am so glad. Now this, this, these. This this kind of came from from your wife, is that it right? It did. So thank you, Gretchen. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much, Gretchen. This was a a great uh, month of movies. I know. Unfortunately, she hasn't got to watch either one of these yet. So I think uh, I'll have to sit down with oh, her man. and watch Dirty Ho at some point, or or find yeah. another Shaw Brothers movie. Yeah. But uh, that's it. We'll be back next time. We'll do something fun for December. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, Craig, any last words? Uh, enjoy your old turkeys. <laughs> Again. And again, and again. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.